welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome. I'm Deacon Jeff Drzezemski, and you are like joining us now in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and I have Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. He's on my left. Whoop. That's where the goats are, and on the sheep are on my right, and that's Thomas Patrick Dorian. <laughs> so, so glad to have you guys here. Uh, anyway, we are continuing a deep dive into the mysteries, of the sorrowful mysteries of the Rosary. We we love doing these shows in this kind of a series, just helping to people, helping people to um, dive deeper into the the devotions that that we as Catholics do, and so often we'll do them and maybe in a mindless kind of way. And I'm not accusing anyone who prays a Rosary of doing this, but I will say, on occasion, I've done things in a mindless mindless way you know and i'd i'd like to think i'd try trying to be a good catholic and i know a lot of people out there are appreciating the fact that we are um uh we're, we're looking at these things and helping people to see just more aspects about each one of these mysteries right so that maybe one of the things that we talk about is something that you can meditate on next time you're doing the rosary and so we're on the third sorrowful mystery mm. uh, and this is no this is the second oh, this is the second this is a second. So that's, that's a typo. A, that's a typo. But so I did that to just to you know keep you guessing, keep test. you on your toes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Good this job. is this is I, I, I said second at the beginning of the show, and they looked down my paper and went like, "Was I wrong before?" No, I, I was wrong. But it is the scourging. Well, you know, you're never wrong. That's what. Yeah, you just make mistakes. <laughs> you just make mistakes. Uh, yeah. So the second sorrowful mystery is the scourging at the pillar. Yes. Uh, which uh, I I'll be honest with you when we when we talk about the scourging of the pillar. It's 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 one that's really hard for me, yeah. especially after Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ came out. Sure, because uh, you know before there's this this picture of Jesus kind of being there and they kind of whip him. Yeah, you know, and yeah. in our minds we we don't look at the really just what was going on and the how these whips were made and had like pieces of glass and metal and stuff in them and yeah. uh, and then and. The Passion of the Christ is very, very descriptive in this way, uh, and it's brutal. It's it's one of the most painful parts of that movie to me. Well, I think another thing that makes it hard is, you know, when people deal with the question, and there's a lot of different ways of answering the question, why did Jesus have to die? But to an extent, you know, the crucifixion itself is already horrible. Right. It's horrible already. You know what I mean? And and so it's like the fa- the fact that there's more there's more than that than him oh, yeah. being nailed to the cross and being spit upon and all these other things that there's this too the scourging of the pillar is just it's it is mind-boggling i think as a, as a, if when you really stop and think well, about well when it. we when we when we talk about the the great paschal mysteries yeah. right we we talk about the suffering yes. death and resurrection yes. so this idea of the suffering before the death is even it makes the death even harder oh yeah right and so so this uh, scourging of the pillar kind of brings all that to light, and you know, and so often because you know we do the these we we try to find a fruit to kind of meditate on, or yeah. that that we're going to see from meditating upon this particular mystery, the second Sam <laughs> sorrowful mystery. You know, there's a there's a fruit that we will assign, and uh, and typically when people are thinking about the fruits of this particular mystery, they'll they'll they'll, they'll come like if you're if you're reading a reflection. 
or something, it'll focus on like mortification of the flesh, sure. right? The idea that we we uh, like we don't have to go out and get scourged, but but we're going to deny our body its its comfort, its needs. We're going to deny us. Uh, the the physical things that we that we gravitate towards, right? right? Right. And and we may even go a little further, like some of the saints would like put a pebble in their shoe all day, or or wear a hair shirt. And these mortifications of the flesh were actually meant to sort of tame the the body's desires. And and so th- there's always a connection there between sure. the scourging at the pillar and what Jesus underwent for our benefit, right? In that suffering, in, in a very physical way. Um, but we we have a we have a we have a different virtue this time well, that, so, we're, that we're going to talk about. So the the one that I, I uh, suggested here for us to talk about is it's one of the the sixty four uh, traditional virtues of the church. And a lot of people might be surprised at the fact that there's sixty four virtues. We we t- we tend to know. I mean, there's the, only thirty one different kinds of ice cream <laughs> at Baskin Robbins, and you're telling me there's sixty four virtues? Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Well, so we, so we've got. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to put things in perspective, you well, know, for me to reach me, it's about flavors of ice cream. Well, so, so for the, there's obviously there's the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity, and then the cardinal virtues of of temperance, fortitude, justice, and prudence. Um, but uh, there's also of those cardinal. There's also a bunch of sub virtues, uh, and th- those are the the. That's how you get sixty four virtues. And in this case, this is a, a pretty rare one, one that doesn't get discussed that much, but I think it's very important. It's a perfect fit for this mystery. That's the virtue of silence. That's why it doesn't get discussed. Well, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no one's talking about it. That's right. <laughs> Time for the win. No, all, all the people who have the virtue are are silent. No, but the so. Obviously, this is a, a virtue. You know, when we're talking about these sixty-four traditional virtues, this is stuff that was goes to the early days of the church through the Middle Ages. So, obviously, the first thing that probably comes to mind are like monks. A monk living a cloistered life who has a vow of silence. A monk would need this uh, uh, the the virtue of silence. And there's and there's a few other virtues. Well, the people, a lot of people will come. They've heard of or have gone on silent retreats. Sure, yeah. and you need you need that virtue to be able to get through a weekend. Yep. Without saying anything. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. So there is an excellence to it, right? Yeah. And and but there's traditionally there's two aspects for the virtue of silence, and that's what makes it relevant today. Uh, first is knowing when to speak and when to remain silent, and of course having the self control to abide by that knowledge, right? The second aspect is interior silence, a quieting of the appetites and of the mind. And so both are relevant to this fruit, the scourging at the pillar. And the relevance may not be obvious from the gospel accounts of the scourging, but what I think would be great if we took a, took an, took a look at a Isaiah 53, 3 through 7, the suffering servant, the prediction of Christ's passion by the prophet Isaiah. Some of you might be familiar well, with we've it. Well, we've heard it. We hear it like when we get like to Lenten times. Yes. We start to hear those readings. Uh, because they're going to speak a lot about um, Jesus's suffering, but it'll be things like you know, by his stripes or by his wounds, y- you are healed or we are healed. Yeah, the beginning of Passion of the Christ, by his stripes we are healed. Isaiah, that's yeah. the opening uh, like title right. card. Um, another another line from that is he opened not his mouth, and so see, and we don't talk about that we, as we much. We don't talk about that. We talk as much. the fact that he was bruised and beaten and pummeled. 
for our sins and yes. ultimately dying, but we don't usually talk about the fact that he opened not his mouth. Right, right. And so in reflecting upon uh, the, our Lord's sufferings and reflecting upon uh, and, and looking at it through the lens of the virtue of silence in both aspects in terms of knowing when to speak and when to remain silent and having that control, and then the, the second aspect, the, the, quieting, the interior silence, the quieting of the mind, the quieting of the appetites, um, I think it'd be great for us to delve into that suffering servant narrative and ask ourselves, you know, why is it when our Lord, I mean, we, we just heard Deacon Jeff talk about how terrible the scourging was. Yeah. You know, and the and I think it's 39 lashes. Is that correct? Is what the traditional uh, teaching is? Something like that? Yeah. I would have been done at the first. Yeah. Oh, of course. Of yeah, course. I would have been done at the first lash. And, 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 and so... We, we should ask, I think the invitation here is let's ask ourselves, why did our Lord not open his mouth during this uh, scourging? Why was it stronger for him to remain silent amidst the scourging than to speak, to accuse, condemn, complain? Which, by the way, he, had, he would have had every right to do. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> and occasionally you'll hear about saints uh, that were like burned to death or something like that that yes. didn't scream. Right. But you'll also hear about ones that did. I mean... Oh, sure. So, but or, there's or, a... Or ones that had quips like St. Lourdes. The oh, deacon, yes. The, the I'm deacon. done on this side. Turn me over. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I... And so, but but there is a strength you, you hear... Uh, oh. In not hearing him complain. Oh yeah. Right? Well, and I think that that that's what takes us to that second aspect of the virtue of silence. You know, and so as we as we're reflecting upon this, let's also kind of reflect upon the basically. I, I look at this as the interior dimensions of our call to holiness. You know, how is it that from this interior silence that our Lord was able to maintain his silence amidst all of that? Um, and those saints, just as you pointed out, who also did the same. Right. Uh, and there, and there's a level also of silence, you know, for St. Lawrence. Yeah, he had a quip that he said, but he, it wasn't, it wasn't why he was screaming. Right. You know what I mean? No, you're, you're, you're right. So let's, let's listen. Uh, let's listen and, and just look for those two things specifically as we read Isaiah chapter 53. We'll start it at verse three. He was spurned and avoided by men. A man of suffering, knowing pain, like one from whom you turn your face, spurned, and we held him in no esteem. Yet it was our pain that he bore, our sufferings he endured. We thought of him as stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our sins, crushed for our iniquity. He bore the punishment that makes us whole. By his wounds, we were healed. We had all gone astray like sheep. And following our own way. But the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. Though harshly treated, he submitted and did not open his mouth, like a lamb led to the slaughter, or a sheep silent before shearers, he did not open his mouth. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, now the key there, I also love the fact that not only is it um, he, you know, he submitted and did not open his mouth, and then there's a further. A comparison like a lamb led to the slaughter right right and and you stop and think about that lambs cows any number of beasts that just mm. kind of like walk in a line right right and just and kind of just give themselves over and but that's this is this is speaking of his um uh willingness yeah. his acceptance 
to do this. So it's it's of his own free will that he's doing this. Well, let's, I would say we, let's maybe invite ourselves into some self honesty here. Like, how how would we react if we were in that situation? Or or I mean. It's kind of hard to imagine us being in a situation where we're there's we're being lashed thirty nine times with the whip that you described that has like shards of glass or, or, or metal. How would how do we normally respond in far less str- stressful situations? Like when we're being attacked, you, when somebody has something to say to us, don't we typically have something to say back? Oh yeah, you know what I mean. So I mean, how how did Jesus go against the grain of all that and and? What's he? What is he witnessing to us here? Yeah, there's there there's something powerful in this, and and you sit and think like, well, yeah, but uh, I don't know how I'd react because I've never been scourged, sure, right? I've never been challenged in such a physical way. I mean, I can suspect just by virtue of the fact that I've hit my thumb with a hammer, yeah. you know, it didn't go well, right? And <laughs> or in fact, we're getting went, cut off in traffic. Well, you know? I went to confession not long after that. Yeah, I guess my right, point right. is, is I, I I caved, you know. But but there are there are opportunities in our lives where where we can practice the same virtue and not even realize that you know that we're doing that. Th- think about like you've heard the expression of sacred silence in mass, yeah. and how often um, if we just keep our mouth shut and then like you're listening to nothing but maybe an a, a occasional baby crying or. Something like you know, just it's silence in the in a room filled with people. There's something powerful, especially when you're surrounded by sacramental grace. So that silence, maybe after communion, it's a deafening silence. Yeah, but it takes strength and courage not to use that as an opportunity to correct your children or talk about like we're getting ready to go to Perkins for breakfast and so you know we're it's almost time to get out y'all just settle down you know and we're just not talking we're we're sort of like uh we're purposefully being science silent the the church is being silent you know and that's not the same as getting beaten right but but we do have to like physically restrain whatever little impulses we have in our brains that want to run our mouths well and so you're tapping into something that i think a lot of people don't know about i saint thomas aquinas He's one of the people who talks about the 64 virtues, right? Um, in St. Thomas Aquinas, he has this, uh, a phrase, or he refers to our antecedent appetites. And, and you could say antecedent emotions, antecedent impulses. There's different words you could you could use to describe this. Um, I some, just call it appetite. Yes. I'm hungry. Right. <laughs> I'm in a cafe. I should eat. I'm hungry for some St. Thomas Aquinas. No. Yeah, that's right. So here's something interesting about our Lord and our Lady. Right, and also saints like Saint Teresa of Avila, who who reached that highest level of prayer. Right, so they rooted out of themselves those saints, their antecedent appetites, and by that I mean like that those initial impulses that we have, those emotion, those knee jerk reactions, the things we we struggle to control, yes, and we don't really realize we have them until we've done them. Yes, exactly. Right, the outbursts. Exactly, exactly. The and and and. The thing that might surprise uh, our listeners at home, that according to St. Thomas Aquinas, our Lord Jesus, he didn't have those antecedent appetites at all. And ni- neither did Our Lady. Um, and the saints who reached that highest level, once upon a time they did, they were born with them, you know, but once they reached that highest level, they, they had rooted those out because those, all of that is coming from a place of vice. All of that is coming from a place of, you know, sin has two effects, right? Uh, or, or three effects. Uh, First is the, the darkening of the intellect, right? And then the weakening of the will, and then both of which operate to incline us to 
to sin, yeah. right? Because our our will, our lower appetites are controlling our will and redirecting our will away from the good, and the ultimate good is God, right? And then our mind is darkened, and our mind was created to know truth by reason and know mm-hmm. God because God is truth, and we get really confused because of the confusion that's in, we invite upon our, our minds through sin, right? When a person is growing in virtue, it begins with the process of seeking to root out those vices and to and to seek healing in their mind, clarity in their mind, so that uh, that quieting of the appetites that we're talking about that comes with the virtue of silence. You know, ultimately, that is that is the condition. Once a person has attained that quieting of the appetites, that and and of course the healing of the mind. Uh, that is when the will can once again be governed by reason, you know? And so like Jesus, he had emotions, Jesus wept, but those were called consequent emotions. Yeah. So he wept because reason told him that this is uh, a fitting moment to weep. My friend Lazarus has died. You know, and there's yeah. plenty of reasons we could, we could explore why did Jesus weep? That's a separate, the fact is he did weep, but it wasn't a knee jerk reaction. It was a consequent Emotion, and that's the same thing that happened in, in the clearing of the temple. Yes, right, a righteous anger. Yeah, it wasn't a knee jerk reaction. No. it was a consequent uh, a decision that he made. And yeah, was there he, his irascible appetites were, were in use when they were pushing forward? And there, there was a goal. There was a goal in yes, mind. Yes, for right? sure, absolutely. And, and so, like in in crying for or weeping for Lazarus, that that goal is to. Is to is to bond with the family and the people around you yes. for everyone to realize the, the to mourn together right yes. and to heal together and and certainly uh, the goal in the cleansing the temple was to cleanse the temple right he wasn't just mad going around kicking and screaming and yelling right, right. W- which would have been a knee jerk reaction and so and so technically you know the vir- so I mentioned there's virtues there's the cardinal virtues the theological virtues and then there's sub virtues so te- technically the virtue of silence is a sub virtue of temperance, right? And, th- and you have that in the quieting of the appetites. However, you know, in a, it, when, you, when you place it in a context like this, when you talk about perfect silence that our Lord witnessed at, at his scourging, it's, it's, yeah, it's still a sub-virtue of temperance, but it's kind of a super-virtue, right? Like, in, in having this perfect, uh, you know, uh, silence, this you know, there's temperance, there's prudence because he has the mental clarity of, to govern his will in accordance with reason of knowing when to speak and when not to speak. Right. Justice, a recognition of one's duties and whether might, one might have a duty to speak or a duty to remain silent. Uh, fortitude, you know, maintaining this virtue of silence under extreme duress, extraordinary fortitude is needed. There's meekness, there's humility, there's the peace and self-control that come from the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So there's so much that is being witnessed here by this virtue of silence by our Lord in the scourging at the pillar. And so I just think, you know, these 64 virtues, they don't get talked about a lot. And this one in particular is one that might be passed over because we would think, oh, that's for a cloistered monk. That's not for me. But really, if we take the time to pray for, Lord, bring me into perfection with the virtue of silence and help me grow in the virtue of silence. Help me have that quieting of the appetites, that interior silence, and help me be really in control of how I use my speech and when I use my speech. I mean, that's a fast track to holiness. You know, our our imperfect reason and maybe even our broken reason would tell us it like that silence is just for the monks yeah but you know there are things that are like you know people who have been older and wiser than me all my life 
and I just remember like moms will tell you things like you know count to three before speaking. Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That's that's essentially this. It's it's in the same area of virtue. In other words, allowing yourself silenting just what you're getting ready to blurt out <laughs> in those three seconds yeah. is extremely damaging. And in our world today, you just look around. People have lost that sense mm. right they've lost the sense of of stopping and and thinking like you know temperance or prudence or any of these things can't be applied to what they're getting ready to do because they've already just just blurted out we're all very offended these days very yeah. easily you know yeah <laughs> and 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 there's something to be said about who's right and who's wrong and morally what ground are we standing on and and those are all important things but the reality is if we've lost the concept of civil discourse or the ability to to communicate with each other with in, in, you know in the realm of human dignity we've lost everything mm. right because we become one of the animals we we have a guttural reaction to something and then we act upon that and we and, and that's what guides us well that's a problem i mean that's that's what's going to destroy a society rather than build it up and so this idea of silence and i go back to the sacred silence at mass and the fact that we are so antsy, that we were, we're so unable sometimes to sit in silence, mm. right? Just to calm our passions to the point where we can then be receptive, right? You, you can't hear. I, I remember uh, there was some movie I was watching, and it was like a war movie, and they were, they were talking about somebody, you know, pinging radar, and they were in a ship, and they were going. It's like, you know, this guy's going so fast that, you know, I could, my daughter could be playing her stereo at, a full volume and can't hear it and and the and the point there is this this idea that we're just like we're just like bulldozing along and we're not we're not listening we're not really taking the time to appreciate and understand what's happening and and what's going on in this moment who has stakes and what and what are the possible reactions so since now it's getting more and more brazen the, the violence that's happening in the world and it's it's essentially a, a sickening and a continued sickening uh, of our culture Right, so that like what may be an emotional outburst now becomes natural and normal yeah. for some people. And so that's that's why when we look and we pray this particular sorrowful mystery, the second sorrowful, sorrowful mystery, Sam. Yes, yes. Is, is that we, that we we need to we need to I should have counted to three before I said that. That was really cruel. No, but we, we need we need this in our life. And again, we'd all I think the vast all of us would cave in. At the scourging at the pillar. There's, there's. Oh, I wouldn't sure. survive. We wouldn't survive. You know, we're we're ordinary humans, and, and you know, however many lashes, thirty nine or not. I told you, I would have stopped at one and said, "I give up. I, I'm going to deny everything. I'm going to just give in and whatever." Uh, and and it was it was awful and terrible and cruel. And the reality is, we're we're probably never going to experience that in our lifetime. Well, you know, something that comes to mind here is. is Self-justification, that was a snare that I fell into for many years, and it took a long time for me to really recognize it and address it and really work to root it out. And that is, if someone was criticizing me, I had to justify myself. You know, and I had to explain myself and what I was doing. I needed to be understood. You know, I was I was the flip side of St. Francis of Assisi's, you know, see, but don't seek to uh, be understood. But I don't to understand. do that. And let me tell yeah. you why. Yeah, no. yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, if you think about it, you know, we as Christians... Self-justification is not actually a liberty that we have. Our justification is not from ourselves. Our justification is from the Lord. And he does he, he's justifying sinners. We are sinners. Even if we might have been right in a given moment, 
or might have the right perspective that's ordered towards truth uh, in a given moment. The end of the day is we are sinners who are entrusted with that truth, and we have to have the humility of recognizing our own defects and also recognizing that at the end, you know, the best thing we can do is to be a witness. The best thing we could do is try to turn down the dial on the noise in our mind and our appetites, turn up the dial on God, and also recognize that God can defend us. You know, and, and we don't always have to defend ourselves. I, you know, and I, I, we don't even have to turn up the dial on God by turning down the noise on the in the world. I I think that God specifically enters into a docile. Quiet yeah, soul. Right. Great point. Right? Because we, we take down all of our defenses. We take down all the walls that we've built up, all the preparations, all the winning of the argument that, that, that we come into any quote unquote fight. Right? And we come in like it's a fight. Right. We come into mass like it's a fight. Right? He, he better preach good today. And, I, you know, I hate the this music. I hope they don't sing that song. And it's like, it's like we bring so much baggage in. And you don't get the parking space. Well, that's important, though. I got to admit. No. 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 I, I, exactly. And there's lots of reasons why we convince ourselves something's not good. And we've, we've you know, it's antecedent. We have pre-convinced ourselves mm. that something's not going to work. It's not going to be good. And so we've got, like... All right, you know, tell some jokes, circus boy. You know, make me laugh. I just entertain me, right? And you're and you're, put, and you're putting up a you know this this wall, and it's up to the other. And you know the thing is, I, I've always said this. You know, the devil may possess you. The devil, which it's, I will have a whole thing on spiritual warfare we could talk about. But you know, the devil possesses. God never possesses. Mm. Like. Like he never overcomes your will and takes you. Mm. It's free will, and, and and essentially he will enter when you're docile. He will come into your life when you allow him, or when you ask him, when you invite him, and and that's different than the devil. The devil takes. God essentially um, uh, rests. Mm. He receives. Yeah. yeah, and and so it's just a, it's a it's a whole different perspective, but it comes right back to the heart of what Jesus did by. Uh, in docility of spirit by going, like willingly going to the scourging at the pillar mm-hmm. and not resisting, not fighting, not speaking out. Right. And he could have very easily pointed his finger at every single person that was standing around yeah. watching, but he didn't. Docility of heart, docility of spirit, silence, right? That virtue. Let's pray that we have more of that. And let's ask the Blessed Virgin Mary to be with us in this prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.